Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 76 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Libraries podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am loving that intro from you every single time I hear it. I feel like I haven't heard it in forever. It's been two weeks. Such a long time. It's horrible. (laughs) Horrible. Well, Jacob is is back and obviously at 100%. Yes, indeed. It's good to see you, friend. Thank you. How's your summer break? It's great. I just had uh, some wisdom teeth pulled. So mm-hmm. that, that, that's fun. You know, I that's also good. had a procedure, but it's probably not one I should talk about. Well, you know, both equally terrible. <laughs> Ruined both of our days. I know that's for a fact. <laughs> it truly did. Oh. Um, but yeah. it's been nice and warm. Nice. That's <laughs> quotation marks. I know we complain about the weather and the heat a lot in here. That's yeah, such a, it's a very Buffalo thing. Yeah, it annoys people. But boy, oh boy, 90 degrees and humid. I don't well, know Well, you know, I have to say my house, which I'll complain about a lot because the people that owned it before, I'll be like, oh, they did this terrible or this was done cheaply. But they put in central air and we cool. Oh. I forgive them every time. See. Because I don't think I ever would have done it. No. And it is you strike me as a fan person, so now I mean, that you it central was, air. but no, central air is so good. You just make it so cold, and then I watch movies at night with blankets on, and I'm like, this is but, so energy wasteful. Oh, is, is there anything better than when it's hot outside to be so cold in your house Ooh, that you have to wear a blanket? It's it feels, great. It feels it's the best really feeling good. in the world. It's like a little um, yeah, that's summer, though, right? Yeah, yeah, and we're already halfway through it. It's good times. Yeah, we're good almost mid Summer, oh, some might say. Huh? I see what you did Right, there. that was a very Jacob move. I like it. I like how I'm rubbing off on you. That's a great <laughs> thing. Easy. So, okay, we <laughs> both saw Midsummer. We did. And <laughs> oh, we have boy, things we. to talk about. Um, we always do. We're going to, again, try very much so to keep it spoiler free. But I am going to mention one scene that happens but I will also say that as you're watching it, it's very obvious that this scene is going to happen. So I'm only making this is like a 50% spoiler will come okay. up. Okay. Um, I'm going to kind of do a quick synopsis of the movie and then we can talk about it. All right, let's do it. So Midsummer, which is currently in theaters, is about Danny and Christian, and they are a young American couple. They're they have a relationship that is on the brink of falling apart, but after. A family tragedy, which oh my god, boy, <laughs> you know, there's a lot. You don't have to go that far nuts. in that one. Keeps them together, um, and then a grieving Danny invites herself to join Christian and his friends on a trip to a once of a lifetime midsummer festival in a remote Swedish village. So what kind of begins as a carefree summer holiday in this like land of eternal sunshine? Um, takes a sinister turn I'd when say in- sinister is <laughs> yeah the villagers kind it. of invite their guests to partake in festivities um i don't know they kind of render this sort of paradise increasingly unnerving and just viscerally disturbing yeah i'd say that's thing and they also feeding drugs to everybody in there it's another little and what's good so what's fascinating about it is so it's a new horror movie from ari aster um we talked about his first one um on the pod earlier which yeah, is hereditary, hereditary. A, lot, a lot of similarities between those two yes and which we really liked and again strong female leads yeah so i like that Ari. and then what i like though it, it like slowly settles you into this isolated uh swedish village and then very gently sort of elevates the tension, um, you know, involving their customs until it's kind of too late. And you spend the time being like, well, should they be terrified or should they not be terrified? Um, 
until I until usually, you know how they should feel. I'll tell you, anytime I get invited to like random festivals in Sweden, I'm usually <laughs> a little bit terrified. Well, I mean, I would have been super super into it and you know you're trying to look at things as like their own custom so so this is the one example i'm going to give that is like very mild spo- i don't know if it's a mild spoiler well you know people die that's a little i don't know that's not a spoiler okay so. so yeah so we'll just say that people do die in like a ritual sort of suicide which to the guests obviously you're like this is horrifying but it's a beautiful ceremony to the locals so then as a as a viewer you ha- kind of have to decide like well, what do you think? I mean, if they're allowed to do their own customs. This was voluntary. On and on and on. The movie, as we talk about it, is super ambitious. Um, it was impressively crafted and definitely above all else. It was totally unsettling. Um, so for my personal opinion, and then we can talk about that, is that it was so beautiful to look at, but I did not think it, it stuck the landing. Uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. I don't think it needed to be two and a half hours long. It that, definitely did not need to be two and a half hours long. That was a big thing, because I remember when I was walking into it, I'm like, cool, hour 45, we're in and out of here, maybe two if they decide to push it. And then I like when I walked in, I looked at my app, and it was like two and a half hours. Like, I, you oh. got to be kidding me right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, it's pretty long. Um, it's very well acted. Um, it is well acted. And, you know, here it's funny because I sound like Goldilocks who can't be satisfied here because in Hereditary we kind of complained that at the ending they explained too much. Like, remember, they were very much like, this is everything that happened so that you fully understand what you saw. And we were like, well, we don't need that. Yeah, like, we don't you can need just... all that. But like, still don't, don't totally understand it when, like, naked old people started showing up at the end of Hereditary. I was true. like, well, what is going on But now? in Midsummer, man, they gave us nothing. Nope. Not and, a thing. That, and that frustrated me too where I was like, but why are you doing that? How did this start? Why is this an issue? Why do you do this? Why is this how you eat? Like, so I had so many questions. Why is this what the tapestry looks like? Why are these all these things that you do and they gave us nothing? So you're thinking in two and a half hours, I could have gotten a little more information and then it might have made my inner struggle more difficult if I was like, well, I understand their customs. As a, but event, I mean, pretty quickly on, then you're like, well, I would be wanting to get the heck out of there so quickly. Yeah, like the whole thing, it's like, I would, there's no way I would have hung around in this place for more than five minutes, like looking at the way that some of this stuff is. It seemed very, but, I mean, it seemed like a cult right away. You were like, it doesn't so much seem like a ritual festival yeah. as like a cult. It would have been funny. It would have been a great scene in this movie. You just would have had one person that like walked in and was like, nope, I'm out, and just like left. Like right away. Well, but, I guess maybe yeah, people want did. to. I mean, um, but think, <laughs> so let's talk about. I mean, I the guess shocking. The, well, real quick, like I think that yeah, another thing was like they don't explain anything, which leaves it open for um thing. But you want to also try to aim your movie for a second viewing to try to get people when they want to go through it again. And I don't know if you're really going to gain much because yeah. you don't really learn anything at the end, so you can't really apply it to the rest of the movie. To like, look to go back and be like, oh, I mean, I don't. I see. Yeah, I don't like when movies give you ambiguous endings because I'm like, hey. You wrote the story, man. Write the end of your story. Why am I figuring stuff out? This is I know, and then partly job. though, I think they're like that's the fun of it for you. Nah. So, and it really kind of depends indie, on indie filmmakers on the movie. But 
hey, how shocking was some of the gore that appears Ooh, in this movie? I loved that. I was Holy a big moly. fan of that. I was like, all right, man, I see what you're doing here. I definitely brought my uh, 14-year-old nephew to this movie, which can I just what? say that about the halfway point? This kid was just like, this is the worst movie ever. <laughs> like, he hated it so much. He was so bored. Oh, I can imagine. Because it's like slow, 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 gore. Slow, slow, slow. slow. <laughs> yeah, slow. <laughs> does that. A lot of close-ups of people screaming and just looking at each other awkwardly. So there was something, like, I didn't hate how, it. How did he do with that barn? That had to be an awkward scene to... Uh, oh, we just wait. So also, when you're making a really serious movie and when you're filming one of the pivotal scenes and the whole audience bursts out laughing, maybe you didn't film that exactly the right way nope. because literally my whole theater was just laughing. Yeah, I know exactly what scene you're talking about. And, yeah. and also, please remember during that scene that I was sitting next to my 14-year-old well, that, nephew. Was that's kind of what I mean. Like, that had to be super awkward. The, people are laughing at how weird the scene is. Yeah. And, oh. So, okay. I'm going to put it, like, right in the middle, like a three-star film because it did have an interesting premise, and it was just beautifully shot. It was so nice to look at, and it had good acting. So the, the my lacking stars are just this weird storyline that didn't hook me enough. See, I'll, I'm going to go ahead and give it two out of five because I didn't enjoy this mm. movie at all. And I thought that there was good stuff in there, but I felt like it was a lot of like a lot like Hereditary. Like there was a lot of cross-pollination with those two movies. Didn't really yeah. do anything different. Just made a longer, more depressing movie. And like if it had come out before Hereditary, it, way less people would have seen it or right. be talking about it. But because hereditary people enjoyed so much, kind of flocked. I think it's to the it. only reason anybody's talking. It's kind about of how it. I felt about us um, this year too, yeah. where I really loved Get Out, and I was I was really disappointed with us. And again, where I was like, this is like a stupid storyline. Yeah. Too many plot holes. Got to change it up, Ari Aster. Got to do something different, my man. Um. Okay, but because of that, we were thinking, and, I, and there's something about cult movies where there's you're just like, I am so interested in this because we all think. I, when watching it, like I would never be a part of a cult. So these and are movies yet, about cults. Yes, yeah. and yet so many people end up in cults that there obviously is some sort of draw that like we don't totally understand, and that maybe we are all susceptible in a way that we don't know. Sure. So we thought we would talk about some of our favorite uh, films that involve cults, and then I have a couple books, and yeah, let's. Want to do that? I like where your head's at. You like it? What do you got? I mean, I always start. Are you sure you want me to? I always like when you start. You, you always got like the better. You such got the better choices. You always have the better choices. I know where the talent on this show is. <laughs> it's sitting to my left, that's where. Wow, this two-week break has just made you adorable. Um, okay, so the first one is a film called Martha Marcy May Marlene. Yeah, say that five times. <laughs> I literally could never. Um, it's a debut writer-director, Sean Durkin. And I feel like he really made a kind of a splash when this came out. Did you see it? I did see it. He didn't do anything else after this movie, but yeah. He yeah, did well, this one. and it was like uh, 2011, so it's been a minute. But it's a creepily effective indie thriller. Um, he won Best Director at Sundance, and then it launched Elizabeth Olsen's career. This oh was my like goodness! Her first big role. Absolutely. And now she's a mega star up in Hollywood. I mean, she was. It was really her understated, I think, and yet like sweat-inducing performance. Um, she was fantastic. The best part of the movie, of course, are 
our other guy we'll get to is so good. But so she, the story is about her escaping from a cult in the Catskills. Um, she turns up at her sister's house, played by Sarah Paulson, um, in Connecticut, to tell her the story um, about like being in this cult and kind of like her attempts to reintegrate into normal life. Um, Never so, an easy thing to do post cult, of course coming back into regular society. I would think so. So the name of the movie comes from uh, the cult leader, Patrick, played by John Hawks. My man. That guy plays creep the best. He is so talented. Oh, he's a great actor. He's one of the best actors out in Hollywood. You lose him in the role. Like, he really, he always becomes the 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 character. I want I want awards all over him at some point. He's always nominated for him. He just never seems to win him. He's, he's got to clench it eventually. I, I, yeah, I've got him marked as one of those actors uh, that you know for sure. He was even great, like, in the Deadwood movie that came out. He wasn't in it very much, but he Everyth- pops Everything in he does is good. But fantastic. So he has a habit of renaming his eager disciples, um, which is just one of, like, the methods of control that are revealed to us as we see it in narrative flashbacks and we see, um, you know, Elizabeth Olsen's life on the commune. And like Jacob said, total breakout role for her. Oh, yeah. I I mean, she was just like like jumpy, damaged woman who was really grappling to kind of put her mind back together. And it's a haunting psychological drama. It's a good film. And she managed in one movie to completely lose that stigma of being like the other Olsen sister. Now she's like the talented Olsen. Yeah, now she's Elizabeth Olsen on her own. People kind of like are surprised when they hear that little fact. They're like, oh, is she related to the Olsen twins? Yeah. I will say, though, I was a little disappointed with the ending. I don't know if you remember completely. I don't really remember that. I honestly don't totally remember how it ends, but I do remember my feeling of disappointment. I feel like it's probably like some kind of swerve at the end of it. That that seems like the kind of movie that's going to throw that at you at the last moment. Possibly. But just fantastic acting. I, like we said, anytime you see John Hawks' name on a movie. Yeah, just go see just it. Just go check it just out. Just go check it you out. You know it's going to be delightful. But yeah, that's a good, it gives you a good inside look to a cult. And you can see how this like kind of normal, intelligent girl ended up in this quote unquote commune and what it evolved into so i can't that believe one. that they're still giving permits to people for quote unquote communes you think at the uh, because le- i do think there are some communes that are like a bunch of people who are like we just wanted to farm and like live a different sort of life it just really depends on who becomes kind of like leader <laughs> i don't know if i was working in like the clerk's office i'd be like oh another commune up in yeah. the hills 20 miles away from anywhere it's huh? not mm. it's never great yeah. or maybe there's tons of them but we only hear about the ones that go bad well, Maybe. yeah, but that's probably true. But then I'm worried, like, how many sinister um, uh, communes are running around out there? Dun, dun, dun. They're paranoia <laughs> for everybody. Okay, what movie do you have? Speaking of sinister cabals, ah. the next one I'm going to do is uh, The Master from 2012. Oh, we got some Scientology cult. No, we don't. Quote, unquote, this is not at all about oh, that's, Scientology. That's right. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's Philip a, Seymour Hoffman was not playing L. No, Ron Hubbard. Ap- right. For legal purposes, he absolutely My was apologies. not playing L. Ron <laughs> Hubbard in this movie. Okay. So this movie's about Scientology and L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> it's a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, which right off the bat, you know, is going to make it fantastic. It's going to be another great looking, great directed film. Uh, it stars Joaquin Phoenix and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Both actors. Fantastic uh, actors. You see their name on something, you're like, all right, it's going to be at least interesting. Uh, The movie's shot in like documentary style, and it really is just kind of like this dive into what Scientology kind of is and the effects that it has on the people that are in it. Because it's such a goofy, like, 
religion kind of thing to begin with. So you kind of have to have an idea of how charismatic the person that created it had to have been in sure. the beginning sure. in order to get people to. That's the whole bit. Like, That's the whole thing. It's like Philip Seymour Hoffman as Dodd is just, you mean, it's Philip Seymour Hoffman. You know he's going to be great. But he's just got such like a magnetism to him. And they kind of dig into you. And like I feel like when you really are confessional to someone, there's like that release that kind of bonds you to that person. And right. I think that's a big part of it too. And like this big part of this movie is about showing like what makes cults so like what are so enticing to them to like people with like a drifter personality or people that have mm-hmm. some kind of damage in their past. Like what is it about them that makes them want to go into it so full throatedly and I think a lot of it too is when you're just like alone and no one wants to be totally alone and it's an idea of like a big family. Right. And like people this, that accept you. I mean, this is a fantastic role for Joaquin Phoenix to jump into because you get a lot of like inner tension, inner turmoil, yeah. a lot of close ups on his face. I will say, not my favorite. It's not my favorite. No. Again, this might have been another three star for me personally. I felt like it was a little slow. Well, it's maybe another... a little over the top at times, but still worth well, seeing. I, I guess it is Paul Thomas Anderson. Like, yeah, you, you, but there will be blood if it's not uh, Daniel Day Lewis doing it. That movie doesn't necessarily work. So. True, but there will be blood is a movie that I revisit often. Oh, absolutely. But I would not revisit The Master. But again, still, it's worth checking out. If you haven't seen see it, it, watch it one time. You'll never watch it again. <laughs> but watch it that one time. That's for uh, sure. Okay, so the next one, I think I talked about this movie for a minute in another episode. I can't remember what we were talking about, but I wanted to bring it up again. It's called The Endless. Mm. Um, it is about these two brothers, and they receive a cryptic video message after it's been a decade since they fled this death cult, um, a remote Southern California commune called Camp Arcadia. And that's where they were raised. Um, But they managed to escape. And they've had trouble kind of getting on with their lives in the intervening years. So anyway, Yeah, so they receive this tape from one of the members that they left behind. And it makes them decide to go back for one weekend. Um, Especially the one brother really needs to get closure on his past. And the older brother's like, I don't want to go back there. But the younger one's like, I need this. So they do. So while they're there, they're kind of forced to reconsider the cult's beliefs when they're confronted with unexplainable phenomenon surrounding the camp. Um, So the members are all preparing for the coming of this mysterious event, and the brothers are trying to, like, unravel, trying to unravel this seemingly impossible truth that is around the camp before their lives become permanently entangled with it. Oh, it sounds like a supernatural film. It, it definitely has some of that. Um, I'm going to say it's very impressive for the low budget that you can tell that it was made with. Um, and it is always inventive. And then saying that, which I think I said last time, is not a perfect movie. Um, you know, it's a low budget, new, sure. new kind of directors taking something on. But it's very interesting, great for the cult aspect, and then really cool with the supernatural aspect. I think it is on Netflix. Is it? And, right of now. course, available at your local library. But Maybe. I actually have to check into that. I could. I don't remember if it was available oh, to well. purchase yet, but either way, when it is, uh, we will definitely have it. Or we already do. Look at me. Full of really quality information. But we're just going to go ahead and say that It'll we do It'll be in the show it. notes if we have it. <laughs> Don't worry. We got it, everybody. <laughs> we got your back. So, yeah, it's a, it's a cool movie. I think you would definitely like it, Jacob. So All right. Well, I take your recommendation seriously, so I will check it out. Okay. What else we got? All right. I'm going to go with my weekly dose of Cage here. I'm going to go with Mandy from 2018. Oh, yeah. Another, we dedicated pretty much a whole episode to Mandy. but yeah, We did. And I'm not 
not going to get into it too long because he said, "Oh, so it's a revenge film about Nicolas Cage going crazy and wanting to kill a cult that burned his girlfriend alive." Well, there you go. That's the wrap up right there. And basically, just if you try to imagine the craziest Nicolas Cage movie you can imagine. You're right about where this one's going to be because there's chainsaw fights, people covered in blood. I could see people hating this movie, yet I don't understand totally how because <laughs> I was so enthralled the entire time. This is another one that's kind of like an independent. It's I, I actually kind of put in the same thing as Midsummer and Hereditary because it's a indie filmmaker. There's a wacky premise. But this is the kind of one where, whereas those movies you kind of fade from your mind or there's nothing really that grips you about it. This mm-hmm. one you do not forget after you watch this movie just by the pure insanity that you just, is going on. You just on. envision Nicolas Cage's insane faces for the rest of your life are burned into your memory. I mean, the actors are fine. Tony Collette and them are fine. I think that probably is why Hereditary works more than Midsummer. But like, it just shows that if you can get a star at the middle of your movie, even if they're just going completely bonkers, how much more it can just make people attached to your film. But did it do that well? I don't even know. It did better than it should have. Made a lot, it made money considering I think that was budget. a big word of mouth movie of it, like, you have to see this just because it's like crazy. Well, exactly. It's like if you get the right person in there, yeah. you can just get people. It's kind of like the cult of Cage. You just put him in a movie. It's true. And it people works. are like, um, there's going to be a crazy <laughs> Cage thing? Oh, I am totally <laughs> checking it out. Um, but yeah, it's just insane movie. You're just going to be walking out of there shaking your head like, what did I just yeah. watch? And it's dark and violent. And oh, so good. It's my kind of movie. Bloody. Dark yeah. and violent. That's what I like <laughs> That's what you're signing up for. Okay, this movie, I love this next movie. Again, I think I mentioned it once during um, maybe lesser known indie films, but it fits in this cult era here. So it's called The Invitation. And it is about, so while attending a dinner party at his former house, this man, uh, who's p- played by Logan Marshall Green, you know who he is. I know that name, but I don't know who he, he is. He is that cute guy. He was in uh, Prometheus. He looks just like Tom Hardy. Oh, well, now I know who you're talking yep, about. Yep, he's like a younger Tom Hardy. Oh, man, they got burned alive. Spoilers for Prometheus. Yeah, so he starts to believe that his ex-wife and her new husband have sinister plans for all of these guests that they invited over for the dinner party. Nice. So the reason he kind of went um, to his ex-wife, you know, his old home, is because they they lost their son, which is kind of why they split up. So he's kind of grieving in the house and, like, going through it and remembering and yada, yada. Um so you don't know if he's maybe kind of seeing into the things about his ex and her new husband because they're talking about this group that they joined called The Invitation, um, which is a group that helps you uh, work through your grief using spiritual philosophy. Mm-hmm. So he kind of confronts them during this dinner about that he thinks like this cult brainwashing. But watching it, you're not sure if like that is the case or if he's kind of losing it with his grief oh, okay. so it's a very interesting you have to kind of figure out who's right and who's wrong it's uniquely effective hmm. um i also love dinner party movies which i think i've mentioned but it's really really clever and i like that it is a slow uh building thriller but not like boring slow okay. it's going at a pace that really keeps you on the edge of your seat i love this movie and i think not enough people know about it i did not know about it. i feel like i've seen the cover for it before but i've never actually watched it's it. a cool cover too dinner party movies oh that's that's a future oh, theme i have for a, a show i, I have a weird thing about them i tend to really like people sitting around tables and talking really yeah it's, i feel like they're just really real 
man, we're gonna have to. That's something we're gonna have to dig into in the future because there's there's some good there's some good stuff to be mined. Oh in yeah, there, and I'm sure I've talked about a lot of them. And then I can just talk about Invitation again and make sure people see it. Well, we do repeat movies a lot on here. It's because they're delightful. So it's, it's how much we want you to see them. Exactly. Okay. What else we got? All right, so I'm gonna recommend a TV show this time. I am gonna go with the Hulu show The Path, which stars Aaron Paul, Michelle Monaghan. I'm gonna go with that. Yeah, I think that's her name. And Hugh Dancy. You I saw, never, no, I never saw it, but I'm always I'm always interested in it. So you know, it's an interesting show. It's very well acted. Hugh Dancy and uh, Aaron Paul, especially v- underrated actors. I feel like they don't really get enough kind of work. Um, so in this um, show, Aaron Paul plays a guy uh, named Eddie, who is a former member of the cult of Meyerism, which is like he grew up in this cult ever since he was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just kind of it just seems like one of those on running ones that everybody knows about, but they don't really want to confront yeah okay um so he was in there and something happens in south america which i can't get into because it's you know part of the show that kind of makes him test his faith and not believe in the cult anymore so he leaves it but then one of his because of something that happens with his family who are still in the cult and with his ex um one of his oldest friends in his life he kind of starts getting drawn back into the cult yep typical theme yeah and it's kind of like him he was totally out but then like as he starts getting pulled in he starts to become like a bigger zealot of the cult oh no he doubled down like yeah he doubles down he starts gaining thing because he was a big member when he was in it and then it was a big deal when he left so now him coming back is an even bigger deal he's um does a lot has a lot more face-to-face time with the leader of the cult it's just such a well-acted and crafted show. It's in its fourth season now, so oh, it's going. Okay. There's a lot of stuff to mine there. It's on my list of like get to eventually when I catch up on some other shows. Yeah, so you know, if you're looking for a good cult movie, you're waiting. You need you need your daily dose of Aaron Paul before Breaking Bad, the movie comes out and such. This is a good one. He's to also going to be in the new Westworld. Yes, he is. Three, so for Westworld and Hugh Dancy, go watch Hannibal, everybody, so we can get another season. He's still with. Claire Danes, did they get married or no? They broke up. I didn't even know they were together in the first place. They were together place. a long time. That couple, I, could, that, I could be making that up. That couple makes sense. I could see those two dating in my head. Um. Okay, so I have to get at least one documentary in here, which would be Jonestown, The Life and Death of People's Temple. Oh, don't drink the water, everybody. I mean, so a Tribeca Festival Award winner by Stanley Nelson. Um, this kind of charts the rise of the charismatic cult leader Jim Jones, who established a religious community in California, and then later the Guyana jungle. Is that how you say that country? Yeah, sure. Um, before leading 900 of his followers into a mass suicide murder in 1978. After they killed a U.S. congressman. That's an important part of the story. Oh, yeah. I mean, totally. The whole thing... <sighs> I mean, it's really interesting because they have a lot of footage of him and you're listening to him kind of preach this strange brew of like Christianity and communism. And he's but he's like operating this church that was notable for its like it had racial um, inclusivity and social progressiveness. Mm -hmm. So you can really see why people signed up for this. But like they just didn't know how crazy he could be. And it really the film explores how easily it is for like utopian ideals to warp into something obviously much more dangerous. And they have survivors from the Jonestown uh, massacre telling the story story, and all this, like I said, archival footage. Um, I don't know, you even hear the notorious death tape, which is him, which was recorded as he is compelling the community to drink the spiked Kool-Aid that killed so yeah, many of them. It's, it a, is, it's, hor- it's really hard to watch. It's a very good documentary, though. I randomly saw it on uh, TV the one time and was just enthralled because I didn't know much about Jonestown. And now yeah. it's like, wow, this is... 
This is a full-on cult. And right I here. feel like a lot of those people wanted out before the end, but then all of a sudden, Jonestown's like guards were carrying guns and stuff, and it really seems like they almost kind of became prisoners. Yeah. And that he really tricked them that like you're all gonna die, they're gonna take your children away, all these terrible things are gonna happen unless you kind of commit suicide. So again. It don't be too judgy when you when you kind of watch these films and documentaries because I don't know it happens to like a lot of people. It does a so. surprising amount. You know, if somebody tells you to move to the jungles of Guyana, maybe not do that. that might yeah, be, maybe you're a, like mm, a little far. That's a red flag, but all right, that's it for movies for me. Do you have more? I just have a couple books after that I'll do. Eh, go watch the leftovers on HBO. Go watch a cult based around not talking and smoking. Deal with yeah. The people I guess it's not the whole. Not the whole show, but yeah. Mostly go, season one, right? I yeah, guess a little mo- season mo- two. A little bit of season two, mostly season one. But yeah, go check it out. It's a good show, worth watching yes. if you can get into it, which is kind of hard another weird do. show, but good. Okay, so as for books, a couple that are so good, I have to recommend. The first one is called, is very popular, so you might have heard of it, is Under the Banner of Heaven, no. A Story of Violent Faith by John Krakauer. Never heard of it. Oh, I love him. Dude, this book is so good. So it's, it's just an extraordinary work in, of investigative journalism, with which is what Krakauer always does. But he takes readers um, inside America's isolated Mormon fundamentalist communities, where oh. some 40,000 people still practice polygamy. And they kind of defy both civil authorities and, again, this is against the Mormon establishment. Like, the Mormons do not support these fundamentalists. Even they're like, no, this is not what we're about. They're cray-cray. You got the Mormons calling you crazy. Now you know you've gone off a cliff. Their leaders are kind of like Taliban-like theocracies and zealots, and they answer only to God, and they kind of get to make up their own rules. So at the core of this book is Ron and Dan, who are brothers, and they insist that they received a commandment of God to kill this just blameless woman and her baby girl. So it kind of like begins with the research about the double murder and then kind of contains a multi-layered narrative about this kind of delusion and polygamy and savage violence and the under um, and this like unyielding faith that they have. It's a really good book. All right. I became obsessed with fundamentalist Mormons after I read it. My boyfriend at the time was like, you got to stop with the Mormon stuff. I'm like, I'm so interested. (laughs) We we need to move to Utah immediately. Like, I just don't have so many questions. Um, And then another one, it's called The Witness War Red, the 19th wife who brought polygamous cult leaders to justice. 19th, huh? Yep. So it's by Rebecca Muser. And she just, her whole life was, she grew up in fear. Um, because her family had this polygamous lifestyle um, and she had to hide from, you know, the quote unquote dangerous outside world that they tell her. So she's covered head to toe in strict, modest clothing and she receives this education um, only at their kind of church, this fundamentalist church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, And the school is headed by Warren Jeffs. So now she is like this really obedient girl in her family and in this religion. Um, And in her teens, she became the 19th wife of the people's prophet, who is 85-year-old Rulon Jeffs, mm. Warren's father. So eventually she's just sickened by the abuse. Like she kind of mentally breaks free and realizes it's all messed up. And she pulls off a daring escape um, and gets out and starts a new family. But then, you know, it's kind of about how the church had a way of pulling her back in. But mostly where she like stood witness um, against the new prophet of this church in order to protect her little sisters and other young girls who are being forced to marry at these shockingly young ages. Oh, so, okay. yeah, it's it's about that. It's it's just like a really gripping story about her struggle and kind of the perverse embrace of, like, this religious, like, 
just fanatics. It sounds like my kind of book. I do like myself some fanatics. <laughs> Great. Creep. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's that's another good one. So look at that. We like are ready for you to be totally culted and creeped out. I always like your book suggestions. They're always like, hey, that actually sounds interesting. They're Something actually like, like, those are like books that read like fiction. Like you're like, this is just a super cool story. I love the idea that we pivoted to cult movies uh, at the last minute because we thought it would be less depressing than our original topic idea. And yeah, I don't know if I feel I don't any know less if depressed. That worked I don't, out, you know, but maybe, you know. Well, cheer yourself up. Why don't you plug us up? All right. So everything that you hear, and I do mean everything that you hear on All Booked Up is available at one <laughs> of our libraries. We have 37 branches all over Erie County. Did you say library? How dare you slander <laughs> me with this? Sorry. Sorry, please continue. Jeez, I don't even remember where I was. Go to your one of your local libraries <laughs> and uh, pick up all the books, movies, DVDs, everything we picked up. And, uh, you know, we also got a bookmobile driving around. So Maybe. wave that bad boy down. Grab it too. Okay. And please follow us on Twitter at AllBookedUpPod. Yada yada. Okay, a couple facts. So as we know, one of the most famous cults, Scientology, was founded by L. Ron Hubbard, who's a science fiction writer who allegedly made a bet with fellow writer Robert A. Heinlein, sci-fi writer, to see which one of them could start a religion. That sounds about right. That yep. sounds like Hubbard won and Earth lost. So Scientology's defectors have revealed that Scientologists believe that 75 million years ago, Xenu, the dictator of the Galactic Confederacy, froze billions of aliens, brought them to Earth, and then dropped them into a volcano, killing mm-hmm. them. And the spirits of these aliens, called Thetans, wander the earth and are what cause us spiritual harm. Thank you, friends of the show, Matt Stone and Trey Parker, for doing <laughs> an entire episode of South Park on... I think the their place. lives were, like, threatened and things after that. There was, like, a lot of terrible things that happened. Oh, I know, but that's the joy of it. Like, they're so powerful. You can't do nothing to no, them, you baby. Really can't. They're fine. Um, so another call. So founded by dietitian... Gwen Shamblin in the 1990s, the Remnant Fellowship oh teaches that eating less is in keeping with the self-sacrifice of Christ, and overeating is a sin. Okay. So it was a cult for all really, really thin people. Um, Just buy our overpriced milkshakes, and that you'll be <laughs> That's it. Um, but they came under fire after a child died due to disciplinary actions taken by his parents under um, like the Shamblin's directives, and these actions included forcible confinement and being whipped with large glue sticks. Glue sticks. I can't make that's, this stuff up, Jacob. That's new. I can't. I can see how that would be effective. Facts are facts. And the last one, Heaven's Gate, was oh led boy. by Marshall Applewhite, who believed that the earth was due to be cleansed and recycled. And the only way to avoid being cleansed was to exit their bodies and hitch a ride on a spaceship that was hot on the trail of the Haley Bop Comet. So 39 members of Heaven's Gate committed suicide in order to ditch their physical forms and catch an interstellar ride to spiritual bliss. Well, you know, they might have. a bummer. We don't know if they did well, or Well, I, I guess I like to think. I like to yes. think that they do. I like to think they're living a good life. Good for them. We'll, we'll find out next time that Bob Comet comes on back. <laughs> it's all right, you guys. Thank you so much for listening and for coming back after a nice summer break. We will catch you next time. Bye. Bye.